Welcome to Men Alive, a biblical journey to help us conform to the image of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Paul Estabrook. Our teacher is my longtime friend, Dr. Jim Cunningham, consultant in adult education, director of Go Teach Global, and author of the book, Men Alive. Jim, if someone asks, what is the church? How would you answer? This may sound unusual, but I would start with an illustration from fishing. Let's think about what is fishing. Some may immediately think a fishing pole and a hook. While helpful, these two items are not always necessary. Whatever is necessary every time in order to have fishing would be considered the essence. The essence of fishing is the minimum essentials required to achieve fishing. We need a person to do the fishing and a fish. With no fishermen, there are only fish in the water. And with no fish, there is no fishing, only a person spending time by the water. Essence never changes. The function of fishing is its purpose, or why do we fish? To catch fish. This is the same function every time, whether the person is fishing for pleasure, for employment, or to escape other responsibilities. The function fulfills the purpose of the essence. Function never changes. The forms of fishing can be as varied as you wish as long as they do one thing, fulfill the function, which is to catch fish. Different countries permit different items and different methods to catch fish. Some use fish hooks, spears, nets, birds, rifles, dynamite, catch them with your hands. We're not concerned about the laws for the moment, only the principles. The forms fulfill the function and meet the essence. Form, unlike essence and function, can change. We can apply the same principles to the essence, function, and form of the church. The essence of a church is the minimum essentials needed to have a church. Committed believers gathered in the name of Jesus Christ. The function of a church is fivefold. To evangelize, Matthew 28. To disciple or train those who are evangelized, Matthew 28, 20. To minister to or serve people showing God's love, Matthew 22. To fellowship together, Ephesians 2. And to worship together, Matthew 4. The forms of a church are as varied as you wish. You can meet in a building, in a field, in a home, meet on a Sunday, a Saturday, or a Monday afternoon. We are not concerned about traditions at the moment. Only principle does the form fulfill the function and meet the essence. To understand what is a church, we must also be able to clearly distinguish the essence, function, and form of the church. Essence and function never change, but the resulting forms can and often must change. Jim, you and I have taught this concept in many countries. What do Christians agree is included in the essence of a church? Christians agree there is one body of Christ worldwide. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not overcome it. So there is a universal body of Christ called the church. For this moment, we are identifying what is the never-changing requirements to have a local body of believers that we will call a church. First, a local church requires individuals who trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. When they do, the result is the new birth. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. If you look in John 3, 1-17 and 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you'll see the scriptures to support this. 
By prayer, you can then enter into God's holy presence. From our travels in many countries where public worship is forbidden, we've met leaders of small house churches of just two or more Christians. One person would not be considered a church, since a church is made up of living stones and is a body with members, 1 Peter 2, 5 and 1 Corinthians 12. So, the two or three gathered together in the name of Christ in Matthew 18, 20 need to have a commitment to Christ and to one another. God draws certain believers together in a special relationship that the Bible calls being built together, Ephesians 2.22. Christ himself brings Christians together in this relationship and directs them to care for each other, 1 Corinthians 12.25-26. A church such as this is the work of God and is not merely a human organization. As we consider this teaching on the essence of the church, we can see many misunderstandings about what is a church. It is not a building. It is not a human organization. It is not headed by a human being, and it does not require a particular group of ordained persons or clergy. As the body of Christ, all believers have a mandate to respond to God's calling and serve in the church accordingly, with or without the contribution of ordained leaders. So, Paul, as my longtime teaching partner, what is the function or the purpose of a church? Jesus Christ ordained five functions for his church to accomplish in our work for him. We are to evangelize, to disciple or train those who are evangelized, to minister to or serve people demonstrating God's love, to fellowship together, and to worship together. In the Bible, there is not a priority order for these five purposes. They are all equally important in every culture, every country, worldwide. Agreed. Whether it's a body of believers of five or five thousand, the five functions remain the same in every culture, every country, worldwide. Let's start with evangelism. Once we know Christ as Lord and Savior, we want to share our wonderful experience with those we love. Sometimes we find it hard or embarrassing to share the gospel with our relatives and friends. But since we believe that all who are without Christ will suffer for eternity separated from God, and because we love them, we must tell them, no matter how oppressive the culture or the political situation, we must tell them. You are listening to Men Alive with Dr. Jim Cunningham from Go Teach Global. This week we are offering a free PDF of our booklet, The Victorious Church and Family. For your copy, email menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. That's menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. What are the other four functions of the church, Jim? Discipleship. Once a person comes to know Christ, we are responsible to make sure that person grows in the Lord. Many Christians expect that a new convert will learn from the regular preaching services so they take no additional responsibility. In some cultures, if a person saves someone's life, that person becomes responsible for the one saved. This is a good concept for the Christian. When formal training centers are closed by the authorities, it is especially imperative that local churches take seriously their responsibilities to teach. 2 Timothy 2.2 This teaching may have to be done on a one-to-one basis when a mature Christian and a young Christian can get together. 
The Bible gives many examples of leaders trained in this way. Besides the clear example of Christ teaching his disciples, Barnabas taught Mark in Acts 12, Priscilla and Aquila helped Apollos in Acts 18, and Paul trained Timothy in Acts 16. Paul gives a detailed approach on how to disciple a young believer. He taught first by example, 1 Corinthians 4.16. Then he lived with his disciples, sharing all that he had with them, Acts 20.34. His relationship with them was not just student-teacher. Rather, he became personally involved with them in ministry, 1 Timothy 1, 1 and 2. He gave them responsibilities while they were still in training, and he kept in close contact with them after they became leaders themselves by his letters of 1 and 2 Timothy. Another function is what we call ministry. When we minister or serve, we are showing or demonstrating God's love to others by helping to meet their needs and heal their hurts in the name of Jesus. Each time you reach out in love to others, you are ministering to them. The church's job is for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, or as Ephesians 4.12 says, to prepare God's people for works of service. Jesus commanded us to preach the gospel, heal the sick, and cast out demons. See Mark 16.15-18. One preacher said, God does not want to be included in our plans. He wants us to be included in His plans. We need to be aware of the spiritual needs of both fellow believers and non-believers and try to help them at every opportunity. Saying something encouraging to or doing something kind for a struggling friend may be the deciding factor in whether or not that friend is able to stand against the enemy. Let's consider fellowship next. As Christians, we are called to belong, not just to believe. We are not meant to be loners, but true members of his body, a real part of Jesus' family. Therefore, it is important for Christians to spend time together to talk about their spiritual lives, encourage each other, and have fellowship. Satan brings all his efforts to bear on Christians to prevent them from fellowshipping together. He realizes that believers need to help and strengthen each other, so he will try to prevent it by trying to cause Christians to be indifferent about meeting together. Or he may try to bring about difficult circumstances that would discourage them from meeting together. Though going to large meetings may be very encouraging, Christians can often receive more help one-on-one -on -one in small cell groups where they can discuss their needs in depth. Consider the function of worship. It is a privilege and responsibility to worship God. Worship begins when the Holy Spirit enters our being and then takes more and more control of our lives. We worship the Lord because of who He is, because of His creation, and because He has redeemed us and continues to be with us. Worship flows from the heart of a grateful and thankful person. Worship is a matter of attitude. It is a way of life. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Romans 12.1 Every believer is to worship the Lord privately as well as whenever possible gather with other believers to worship. Now we look at forms or the practices of a local church. The Bible does not say much about the forms through which the five functions of the church may be expressed. The forms most widely used by institutional churches today have drifted far from the simplicity found in the New Testament. The places where churches meet and their activities may vary. 
Only churches in financially strong, unrestricted societies are able to have big buildings, video cafes, complex programs, social activities, and huge budgets that provide for schools, hospitals, and orphanages. Although the Lord has blessed these activities in many places of the world, we must recognize that they are not essential to the existence of the church. In some countries, they are forbidden by the government. In other countries, the local economic situation makes it impossible. When we commit ourselves to the biblical essence of the spiritual church, carrying out its function in simple forms, we and our fellow believers will be a church that can survive victoriously under any circumstances. Thanks, Jim. There you have it, men. God can use you as a Christian man to build his church. Remember to order today the free PDF booklet, The Victorious Church and Family. Order it at our email address, menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. That's menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. Men Alive is a production of Go Teach Global. For more information, we invite you to visit our website where you can listen to all the Men Alive programs that you might have missed. That's goteachglobal.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Paul Estabrooks, on behalf of Dr. Jim Cunningham, encouraging you to be Men Alive, conformed to the image of Jesus Christ.